Yes, be a person of value. And I think there's an over-obsession with an intrinsic look at yourself. Like, how how can I be fulfilled? How can I be happy? And when you look inside for fulfillment or happiness, you're you're going to ruin the possibility of achieving it. So it's how do you become more valuable? Like you because we have the ground game, we've actually built the practices that people aspire to create. History will prove one of us correct. Wait, 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 wait. You're not letting me finish, bro. This how you become bulletproof 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 happy father's day guys first of all uh, to us all to us all yeah to everyone not just to you guys everybody listening but quickly dwight i was asking a question what because there's no right or wrong answer but we all tend to answer questions from our own unique practices and each of our practices as we always say is a snowflake but like, what does your top producing hygienist do? Like your top, your not the tippy tippy top, but they're like the top three. What is their average collection oh, for geez. you? Do, do you know? Are they big, big time? Like <clears> that's not something. We don't know. What'd you say? Are they in the 400 range? I would say they would be between three to four somewhere. In there. Okay. That's, that's high. That's, yeah, that's, that's high. Okay, easily i would say they're hitting they're passing 30s so what's 30 yeah so 360 yeah yeah 360 so yeah yeah and uh, i know okay, they got it. go higher than that for sure so that's good good range yeah okay got it i was just curious i had my own thought that process. is one of the things that's really doable like you hear that answer right and most practices either i analyze or look at even before like you know the average is probably about 200 probably if you if you're listening to this national average hygiene one hygiene is typically about two hundred thousand or less typically but that is something that i've noticed that wow. there's a pretty easy lift uh, you know with even just like even just coming to the summit or the mastermind just learning some tricks for the hygienist because it kind of opens up it's a paradigm shift in the way they kind of present and do and address treatment and it's a pretty easy let tray in here it's a pretty easy it's, like, it's also the four minute mile two p just to see what others have done right. like in fairness my hygienist had never done what she was doing until she met Charissa and Charissa right. was doing those big numbers. So it's like seeing what other people can do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of exactly where I'm going is, is, but it's not a huge, it's not this, it's not this giant skill set that must be learned, right? Like the skills are typically there. It's usually just, here's the cadence, here's the flow, here's the things to look at, maybe do some higher diagnostic testing, things like that and get better at presentation. And that's kind of, like about what it should be. And, and the cool part one is of, one of the, one of the things Peter that you looked at too. Okay. One of the things is the permission of the mm. doctor to mm. like, okay, go in and talk about blah, blah, blah. Go in and mm -hmm. talk about whitening or sealant or nitrous or SRP or peri-protect. That's the, a big part too, because I think that's what makes the biggest difference. I think so too, actually. If that's the biggest difference is the permission to say, go get them, go do it. I got your back. I, I would, you know, I'm, I'm always an infrastructure guy and a scalability model guy. Cheers. He's on vacay, but jumping in so good. But <laughs> is that my, a midday beer? Yeah, midday beer. I know, it's a eight o'clock beer. I'm in Spain. Yeah, he's oh, in Spain. Nice. Dedicated to but the Hold on. Well, I don't want to. Yeah, I know, Trey. I know. I really don't want it, Trey. Please whip out a beer. That's, it's, it's, <laughs> it is. He's, 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 he's not, he's not, he's not right. political anymore, so no surprise. That's awesome. Thank you, Trey. The reason, the reason I said what I said, and not to throw us off, because I think this is a great, you know, just starter or whatever, but I would love to know what the lowest is, because that gives you a good understanding of the systems, processes, 
protocols, onboarding. Lowest, um, hold on, Dwight. The hygiene. lowest person in lowest your ecosystem or just on your team. Yep. To me, sometimes is more valuable than knowing what your top one or your top three are because you got some rock stars just like doctors out there. To me, it's more powerful to know what the what the average doc, mm. what a starter doc can do at Fort Bend Dental versus what a, there it is, car box going, or what a, you know, what your average hygienist can do or what your mm -hmm. lowest starter hygienist can do because that tells me more What's about the mean. The What's the mean? Yeah. yeah. That tells me more about the infrastructure of your business than it does like, you know, some of the crazy. I agree. I agree. I agree. I said just we've, a, got, we've got, we've got one hygienist who's probably a, like a $25,000, $20,000. That's correct. Hygiene was not on the moderator's agenda today. I know. I, know. I, just, I was just closing up a loose end. Yeah. Um, Sorry about that. I like how yeah, I jumped on it. and you fuckers are talking serious dentistry. Yeah, well, Craig, That's Craig fair. was trying to get something in and I just What's hit going with, just going, just going for it, Trey. Going for it. All right. Okay. Well, I want to catch up real quick with it. Craig, we know where you are. Dwight, you look like you're in the thick. Trey, I don't this is a new background. Mac backdrop for you. Where are you now? No, he's just I'm building I'm building an entirely okay. new setup That's in right. my actual office. That's right. All right. So you're like building a podcast setup? Well, I got a desk. I got a whole bunch of monitors. Yeah, now he's got a raised well, desk. I can, you. You can stand up like me now. Yeah, I'm building it one thing at a time. Good. Oh, baby, go. Uh, Peter, are you still in your bathroom with that green screen? I am. I am. <laughs> I'm actually sitting in the tub right now. <laughs> <laughs> he can, he can, weird? He could take a piss and be on the podcast at the same time. It don't matter. Hey, I, I, was, actually, I was actually in, in Texas. One of those boards that goes across the tub. Yeah, yeah. There's a rubber ducky in it. And a peanut yeah. butter and jelly sandwich on it. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's we, awesome. Are we ready to talk serious business yet or no? Can we add some content, please? Sure. I was in San Antonio this weekend. Hey, Texas boy. Come on. Yeah, it's a good spot. I was. I was there, but I was only there for 27 hours, roughly. I had some things. I went to Mark's Summit. Mark oh, Costas. Oh, I yeah. love that hotel. That place is awesome. Yeah. And uh, I, I, you know, didn't get to see him just because it's crazy. You know, someone made the analogy like running a summit is like like three wedding trying to run like three weddings. And so I saw his like his his ops manager, his gal Ashley, and I and I was like, look, I don't intend to see him. It's I know he's his hair's on fire and he's backstage and blah blah blah. But anyway, it was good. I saw a ton of people in that twenty four hours. It was, it was worth going. Saw a ton of people. And you know what's funny is y'all when I got home, so. Obviously, people recognize like they, you know, love the podcast and people come up, but I got hit up like no less than 10 DMs like, hey, I was going to come talk. To I saw you at the summit and I was going to come talk to you, but I but I didn't. Right. And and I or you were talking to other people and like right. whatever. And I was like, damn it. Really? Like I was there. You didn't talk to me. So it's just funny. Like I get like Instagram DMs on that. Like I was going to come say something, but I didn't. And thank you for all you do kind of thing. And I was like, well, I would love to see that in person. but. Anyway, it was big. It was big. A lot of people there. Um, um, that's a big summit. They, yeah. He knocks it out of the park, man. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's he's doing it. He's doing it. You know, he's coming. He's coming to speak at um, coming to speak at our summit. Yeah, actually. So he he actually pinged me and he's like, dude, I'm sorry we didn't get to see each other, but I'm excited to see you in Vegas. I was like, maybe I'll ghost you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, he didn't ghost you. No. <laughs> just kidding. I'm hey, the moral the moral of the story is if you see one of us at a convention or something. Come on up because sorry, did I break up for a second? No, nope, you're good. Good. The moral story: if you see us at one, a convention, we're doing this because we really want to add value. <laughs> and 
for guys like us, it does make a, a little bit of a difference to say, hey, what you said last time helped, or whether that's dropping a comment on the YouTube channel or a rating or just walking up to Dwight when he's at one of the 400 dental festivals he's at every every year. Just go and say hi. Mm-hmm. It, does, it does, doesn't it mean that's something cool. to you guys, seriously. Ridiculous. Doesn't it mean something? <laughs> it means something. We like it. Um, did you guys know that, Dwight, you're going to know this for sure, that student loans are resuming September 1? Remember how we talked about that maybe six months ago? We, we were uncertain. So I found out that it is resuming. It's right. resuming September not 1. Hunted again is what you're trying to it, allude to. It's, resu- it's with first payment due October 1. Yep. So right. it's... Um, how long, what's what's the hiatus we've been on? When did this start? Yeah, yeah man. Let's just sound like an idiot. I was going to ask that question, Trey. And I didn't want to get a chance. Well, we spoke about it, I want to say, six to seven months ago. And we all didn't really know what was going on. Um, I don't believe any of us have or in that space of having student loans. I mean, that's not, there's no flex, but it's yeah. not applicable. So you filter out what's not applicable to your life. But I have been we asking have doctors that do. We have doctors right. that do, and we're trying to right. help them kind of build better. And that goes across the whole, not just dentistry, obviously, that goes across, you know, the whole economy. So I imagine that there's going to be a lot of restaurants open pretty soon, a lot of vacancies on vacations. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it started March 2020. I mean, COVID. That's what yeah. So think about that. A three-year reprieve, right? At that and point, interest, both. And interest. Well, I think interest was halted, Dwight. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what is amazing so about here, Here's Here's what I was thinking about this. I was like, you know, psychologically, this is going to be a mind blast yeah, for yeah. people. Because after three years of not paying, you're kind of like, I'm good. I'm not. You've adjusted your life to, to not accounting for that, right? Six yeah. months reprieve. You know how you could take, like I took a couple of those things called the, the forbearance when I got out of college, dental school, sure. which was basically like hardship, right? Like, hey, don't make me pay this because I make $0. Please don't make me pay this. And like you can do six-month tranches of time to, to avoid it. But after like, and, and six months is fine. You kind of know it's coming, right? It's resuming. But after three years, that's going to be... People have adjusted their lifestyle, their housing, their car, all the things potentially now to make these bigger payments. And we know what the interest rate is, and we know what the aggregate amount of a lot of these loans are. It's not chump change. It's going to, it's going to put a, put a hurting on it. Even if it's just psychological, yeah. mm-hmm. even if it's just a psychological game. I mean, you know, when you, when you're scared, psychological, but well, well, I'm just I, saying I even a for those, with a lot of docs that are getting out too. They're so ingrained into the mindset that they need to pay it off as fast as possible that they take lower amortizations or terms rather. And I mean, some of them are staggering payments in order to pay it off as fast as possible. Yeah. And then they, they have these, these huge lump sums. So Mm -hmm. they're stepping back into a big number as opposed to something that you want to finance out 25 years or so. Well, it was, it was just interesting. I was just thinking like how this is going to affect, you know, Look at Mark's conference. He he actually spoke on. He got on stage and kind of opened with a number of things. And one of them at the end was kind of like the hygiene crisis. He was calling it right, where everybody is kind of just in need of hygienists. They kind of left and never came back after COVID. Like we're having a hard time with it right now, actually a little bit. And I was talking to some other. I was actually sitting at Paul Goodman's table, dental nachos, and he was kind of saying the same. You know, so it seemed like a an epidemic going on from in dentistry right now, and. You know, I think, look, remember when we were talking in COVID, here's where I'm going with this. We were talking in COVID and remember how the pendulum y'all was like, when we were in COVID, people were just, 
the pendulum swung way in the favor of the employee, right? We were getting pitted against each other. This office will pay more. This will do more. I want 75. They'll pay more, right? And we were seeing it in the mastermind. People just kind of, people were getting, their salary was getting weaponized against them, so to speak. And so maybe these, maybe this kind of shift in I'm looping it back, you guys, to the to student loans. When people have more obligations they need to pay for, sometimes their eagerness to work gets elevated, right? So you're saying the transference of power from employer from employee back to employer again. The, la the labor market. I'm just need to work. maybe. Yeah, yeah, they need to work. Look, if you don't have a three thousand dollar a month student loan payment due, you're like, I'm good. I'll just do things here and there and tiptoe around. I don't need you know full time work. I don't know. I'm making an extrapolation about maybe maybe this could be. Maybe the, the resuming loans is a good thing, not only for hygienists, but also for dentists and anyone who's got student loans. It gets the it gets people back to work, whereas, you know, everyone's been belly aching about no one wants to work anymore is where I'm going with this, Craig. That's it. And so it, it, could be, it would be a good thing, you know, like pay your debts. And also, like, you know, everyone was hoping and praying that there was going to be some relief, like, you know, a Biden relief act of like getting rid of student loans. And that doesn't look like it's going to happen either. So it's like right. time to just get back to work. Kind of thing. I think it's how long it was paused, which is the real problem. I agree. Because just like the economic shutdowns for pandemic issues, it was the length that killed it. Not, mm -hmm. I don't know, we don't know what to do. So let's just shut down for a little bit and figure out, oh no, we can't go all that. The length by which it allowed it to happen in other countries and ours all over the world. But I think this is the same situation. Had they allowed it to go for a year or less or something. Right. I think it doesn't become habitual, right, Dwight? I mean, it literally says that there's 7.8 million federal borrowers are considered at high risk for missing payments once payments are resumed right. on, on student loans. That's just, it's, it's hurtful because it's not only that, hey, something's coming back and I've gotten used to another life, but that they created a world for themselves. A lot of these individuals who didn't have to pay for something could move in with parents, could make these changes, could do whatever. And guess mm -hmm. what? They didn't justify working hard to get a better paying job or work harder to develop their skills or do anything like that. When in the past, when it was, there was a bad economy for hiring, people would go to more school to make themselves better qualified for bigger jobs. Mm -hmm. That's different than just being like, well, you don't have to pay a bunch of the debt you have to pay. So by the way, you can hang out and keep it simple. <laughs> and I think this is the bigger impact. Okay. Does that make uh, sense? Yeah. You guys got anything on that? I mean, I mean, I think we've kind of, I think we've kind of taken that to where it is. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see the impact on it. I don't think that solves a hygiene problem at all. Yeah, maybe you're right, Dre. That was probably a reach because there's probably not a, a massive amount of hygiene debt out there. And I guess I was just trying to draw any kind of connection to yeah. why because we lost and, yeah, a lot of people. We lost never came back, right? Yes, and this is what I, I ran not too long ago. I ran a recruiter search on hygienists on LinkedIn, and you know, you, you pop up in whatever, you know, range you want to run. It popped up with 300 hygienists, which you immediately think that doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm. And then you go and look at them and I'm not kidding. It was four out of five. It says RDH in a job history or a title. That's why they pop up, but they uh -huh. were no longer hygienists. They were in sales. They were a manager. They had already moved on to other careers Interesting. of some sort. Yeah. So that's, that's something dentistry is going to have to deal with a little bit. Right. And, you know, you were hearing anecdotal stories of people were about getting up and saying, I have to pay my hygienist in California $75 an hour. And immediately Craig's head popped in like, well, who cares? What's it, what's the relative worth? And like, 
You could be winning in this scenario, but people get stuck on the hourly of what it is. Speaking of, and this is a little sidebar, have you guys been watching, speaking about COVID and, and, the, and stuff, have you guys been watching this vaccine debate with Rogan? Oh, on Twitter. Oh my God, with RFK. and crazy. <clears throat> It's amazing. It's so crazy. people, if you don't know of this, let me give some context. So Joe Rogan had on a guy named uh, Dr. Hotez, I believe it's in, and he's a, he's a vaccine expert. And he was yeah, talking Baylor about Baylor College of Medicine here in Houston. Okay. It, I didn't know that much. Tropical medicine guy. And so anyway, Joe Rogan's a big fan of RFK Jr., right. who is by trade an attorney. And he's kind of a conspiracy theorist, kind of looks at things deeply. Anyway, Joe's a big fan. He had on Dr. Hotez on his podcast. And he's like, look, you look at this man. And he doesn't look like the picture of health first off. And so Joe starts digging in like, hey, do you take, do you take vitamins? He's like, no, I don't do that. He's like, well, what do you do? And he's like, well, how's you know, your diet? I'm, he's like, how's your diet too? Junk food? He's like, no. How's your diet? Yeah, he's like, I'm a, you know, I'm a, junk, I'm a junk food, you know, junk food's my thing. I eat it all the time. I don't exercise. <laughs> and then he was like, well, <laughs> Well, vaccines are chemicals. He's like, no, 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 no. Those are not chemicals. They are antigens. And so Joe just kind of is like, what is going on? So anyway, the, the bet has been Joe basically went online and said, doctor, I will challenge, we'll bet $100,000 for you to debate in an open forum, JFK Jr. on science, oh, on RFK, the science. Yeah. Okay. So now other people have jumped in. Bill Ackman put another 100000 Jason Calcanis put in 10000 I think. Andrew Tate it's put in 2.6 million right now. It's up to 2.6 million dollars, all going to yeah. charitable things, right? And it's just like about the science, and it's just it's interesting how it's just interesting, you know, our society. Is well, interesting. let me let me let me just unpack one thing. Did you did you listen to the RFK Junior Rogan podcast yet? Yes, it was. I thought it was wonderful. So I I don't, and I also want to clarify. I don't think that Joe Rogan's a fan of RFK Junior. I think okay. Joe Rogan just creates. <clears throat> open dialogue for contrarian thought points and okay. rfk jr has always been a contrarian and so they're conspiracy theorists because let's face it last year's conspiracy theories are like coming to light now so i'm not saying i have no position on any of this but rfk has successfully sued monsanto and he's well versed and he has a lot of data and all he's looking for isn't a long-form discussion because no one has ever given rfk jr like an uninterrupted hour or two to just unpack what he said he's always been blocked so he had that and in during the conversation peter hotez came up and they joe was pretty harsh on peter because he should be because peter wasn't you know peter's been really wrong and said and then peter responded to joe like hey it was really unfair basically what you did to me he says hey unfair or not come on the show i'd love to have an open dialogue there you go. and and patrick bit david said this as well because i asked patrick when he's in the office about vaccines like look you know i was always suspicious because i invited every single vaccine expert to be to go onto my podcast every single one and not one single vaccine medical professional would take my offer to come on my mm -hmm. podcast so he's just like that was just the most incredible thing and and here you are he peter won't do it as well so like if you won't have an open dialogue of two hours it makes me really nervous about your mm -hmm. position like why are you why are you shirking from a dialogue i mean science trust the science science is is doubt religion is trust the trust the expert it's not this is not religion this is scientists science should be debated i mean look at how many times we've all been wrong as, as medical professionals we've all done techniques that we no longer do 
And it was because it was a seed of doubt put in our mind and from some other professional, we learned and we pivoted. So it's just really scary. I'm not speaking to what RFK Jr. or Peter's saying, but the fact that you won't go on a debate stage, the American public clearly wants, if they crowdfunded this thing, it could yeah. be $100 million overnight. I mean, I give 10 or 20 bucks to see this. Right. I want to know. Right. I want to know about this stuff. Right. And the autism correlative data is very interesting. I mean, I so know there's RFK's like, data. That was his that was his stage for a while, right, Craig? Yeah, but it's just autism. it's interesting. It's interesting autism. because when we all grew up, we didn't know anybody with autism. We didn't know anybody with peanut allergies. Like it's there's something, it could be cell phones, who knows what it is, but uh -huh. it deserves to be studied, you uh -huh. know, and, and questioned and open debate. I mean, I'm not I think I, I am less confident today than I've ever been. I would have taken the other side of any vaccine debate, you know, three or four years ago. It's always funny. Um, you can say, like, look, follow the money, right? COVID seventy percent of our advertising advertisements on TV. Seventy percent are from big pharma. The main the main concern on issues they cannot, they cannot speak against that. I think the so they're bought. The narrative is bought. Yeah, but the cultural issue here is not specifically the debate or the the conflict. Is when complex issues arrive. Complex, complex. This is this is indeed a very difficult complex issue. For some reason, our society believes that you have to run away from that and not talk about it, as opposed mm -hmm. to saying no. This should be out in the open and discussed openly and pursued yeah. to figure out it. Same goes with our, you know, our current president. We haven't seen him enough. We haven't asked him enough open questions. He hasn't been out publicly. We can't just throw anything at him. How do we verify his mental capacity right now? When there's questions of that, that's a complex issue. You know, there's but, just, and when you cover it up, when you cover it up that he's falling and can't complete sentences and you cover it up, it makes it really alarming. But what I'm it saying is really it's alarming not necessarily, am I, are we Democrats, Republicans? Do we believe in, in vaccines? Do we not? That's not the issue is what's wrong culturally if there's this concept of like, no, he shouldn't, Peter shouldn't have to stand up in front. No, I mean, you stand for anything. If you're willing to be justified and being even on a podcast it's good. like this. Intellectually curious, Dwight, is what you're saying and allowing for that form. And I, Craig, I, I think that's what you're going with. Joe. Debate is the wrong word, though. I think there's a lot of problem with debate. It was just a long form, three hour discussion. And Joe's a good moderator. He's not gonna he's not gonna ram it down his throat. He just wants people to defend their positions. That's all. And having a guy like RFK or there's a myriad of other ones that would actually be able to debate or, or, or have a an intellectual conversation would be so valuable for all of us. Yeah, but the, the last few years has virtually destroyed the want of that. And mm -hmm. probably intentionally. People people are are much more people are moved when issues are divisive and they don't want to hear the other side. So now you can push voter blocks, you can push whatever, whatever your agenda is. So now the idea of an intellectual discussion, shit, that's, that's harmful to all of those things. Mm -hmm. So we've been, the last few years, I think has destroyed trust in that regard. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I think agree. it's based this on misinformation and it, it's on both sides. I mean, clearly the extremes are pushing absolute on both ends. Therefore, all we're asking for is, can somebody explain the middle core? What? And then at some point in time, each of us get to decide what we believe in. But the point is, is to understand the middle core. Can we get the extremes out of the scenario and get to the point where we can have a, an open and honest discussion and debate about how this works? We're struggling to pull that off in presidential acknowledgments and debates, much less. I mean, how many times have we talked about the fact that there's some individuals, even like RFK Jr., who has said, I want to run and I should at least get to debate, you know, Joe Biden.
Well, they've said yeah. we will debate him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that. Like we're talking about now you can't have a presidential debate against someone who's ready. Like, yeah, he, they're not going to well, debate. Well, in defense of the right. Democrats, I think they don't typically debate in a primary sitting president. I don't think that happens. I think um, a sitting president does not run against you, though. The yeah, point I is, is the, that he's more of an independent, thing, right, in that context. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is when something is suppressed and people are running away from the conversation, even if I was previously disinterested in the conversation, I suddenly want to pay attention. So when you talk about vaccines or natural immunity a year or two ago and you got literally kicked off of YouTube, I'm like, oh, shit, that's I mean, look, scary. Y'all look scary. at it even in dentistry. Remember the divis divisiveness of, you know, like. CR camp versus neuromuscular camp. I mean, there's, I mean, there's oh, yeah. so straight oh, back to your point, like everyone, it gets very tribal and everyone wants to join the tribe and then, and then stand in their confirmational bias of what they believe in. And uh, so anyway, I didn't want to get us on politics. I just, I thought it was, you know, it is fun to bring up current events because sometimes we don't all hear, you know, you don't all hear this. I'm a big fan. And, you know, on the RFK podcast, it was something interesting study. You mentioned a Mark Twain quote. It says, it's easier to fool a man then convince a man that he's been fooled. And if we mm. are being fooled, if we are, if this is really a big, big pharma play and they're really, they're doing this to us, imagine all the other things that we have to start realizing. Like, you know, maybe gluten intolerance is from this company or maybe this or our food's killing us. I mean, listen, I'm in Spain right now and people are not fat here. People are not fat. Do we have a behavior issue? Do we have a food issue? Do we have, you know, why is pharma controlling our food? Why right. there's, there's a lot of very interesting questions and we're not getting, we're not getting well. We're a very, we're a morbid nation. You know, we didn't do as well in COVID because of our morbidity, the comorbidities we have and pharma's way into our food. There's certain things that are done here. None of the, none of the sodas have corn syrup and the meat has to be certain regulations. The food tastes better. I don't have indigestion when I eat out here. So it does beg a lot of questions. And RFK as one person has sued successfully Monsanto several times from what, mm -hmm. I, what I understand. I mean, he's a Democrat. He's always been a Democrat. And, and frankly, Joe Biden, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Joe Rogan is a Democrat. Elon right. Musk voted for Biden. These are not like the right-wing extremists that people are painting him out to be. And it's just a very scary time when, when, our, when freedom of speech is really... Uh, being questioned it's very frightening and if you're not paying attention i think Speaking you should of, learn. of pods craig i listening to the one the other day and i thought of you and i would i'm going to recommend that you guys listen to it do you guys do you guys know who rob deerdick is yeah you do yeah craig do you know who rob deerdick is as a skateboarder i don't know anything yeah everyone knows yeah. him as a skateboarder right? the ridiculousness with the girl yeah ridiculousness yeah chanel west coast right there you go um, it, he's, hey, she laughs at everything she laughs at everything giggles yeah. like a little like a hyena <laughs> but uh you know everyone kind of knows him as a skateboarder he is probably on track to become a billionaire right now in the next couple of years through just being a businessman and kind of i was always a fan of him you know because he had the play factory and he had a where my dream was always like the warehouse and the foam pit shit and the skate indoor skate park like he had so i, I was a big fan guard too dude I, yeah yeah big he big. big big died no way um, yeah, he's dead. Yeah. What happened um, to Big? I don't know, man. I uh it was before COVID actually. Like kind Damn. of yeah, I think he died of a heart attack. Um, anyway, oh, so my point is I was exposed That's to Rob cool. on a different level just because I followed him and I heard a podcast on the My First Million, right? With the one that I kind of recommend to you guys. Anyway, Greg, 
it's a worthy podcast to listen to the one that just came out episode 465 because it talks about rob and he is a savage business person and here's why i related it back to what craig says is that he he is a like basically what he says is this believe in your vision go after it with massive intention set your hourly worth like naval kind of always says yeah. and then get help through implementation right and and become obsessive about the things but he tracks everything implicitly like right he's tracking his time he's making sure he's balanced he's making sure his vision board is updated like all the things i think it's a worthwhile thing i thought it was very applicable to dentistry so i would encourage people just like we talk a lot about in our summit visionary aspect of it right making sure that your gps is set the right freaking coordinates is so important i think it's a good pod to listen to if you guys have some craig you might have some time on the boat but i think it's really good i think you'll be impressed with his acumen business acumen his uh yeah he's just he's just a savage man and he's like you also think of a skateboarder right he's a savage he's so intentional yes. with his actions and he's so uh he's ruthless with his time and the way he spends his time on a personal level as well. It is, it is wild. That's right. It's inspiring. Well, you don't like, become, you don't, you don't become a professional, a high level per, professional skateboarder if you're not an intense person. So we, we, we tend to silo people like, wow, Michael Jordan. So blah, blah, blah. But a lot of these people are that are extremely skilled in one area. Yeah. But, Craig, being uniquely qualified to be a skateboarder does not uniquely qualify you to be a savage business person to get intention to set vision. You got you could have just been athletically lucky, if you will, right? You could have yeah. just skateboarded more than I, your name. I, I find more often than not, I silo people that are masters in their craft, and I'm like, oh well, they're just, you know that's just the basketball player, that's just the football, that's just the podcaster. And I meet them like, oh shit, these people are sat, they're badasses at life. I think. I think that's more common. I'm not trying to take anything away from Rob Durdeck, but I, I also know, help me understand something, Peter. Did you see one of his episodes a long time ago and tell me about it? And this is the second, or this is the original one that you saw? No, yeah, probably this is the second. Yes. And I did yeah, hear it the first time because he, he's wanting to kind of, Trey is saying, he's wanting to kind of develop this, like it's called life optimization, essentially, right? He's showing people how to optimize life because he's, claiming the kind of, I got it all figured out, right? Not figured out, but like he's, he's doing good things and he's waking up excited. And like, you know, that's funny. My kids actually said to me, they're like, dad, you know, what do you, what do you want for father's day? And for whatever reason I was reflecting back to them and we were talking, I was talking about them growing up. I said, you know what I want? My wish for you guys is that you wake up every day when you get to be adults and you are excited to do shit as I am. Yep. That is what I want. And they're like, what? what? And, and Rob kind of talks about that, right? Like having visions and goals. Like he bought a, he bought a chunk of land. He, had, he got, he sold a company and had $10 million and bought a chunk of land called his forever ranch in, uh, in LA. Right. And like, that was all the money he had, but he's like, I see the vision of me having a forever home with my family. Right. And it's on this bluff and it's looking, it's out looking, you know, it was, that was the part that reminded me of Craig. It's looking, it's the most, it's the most, you know, immaculate piece of property in the, all of the LA. And it looks out here and I could see my family playing and I could see my grandkids and, you know, it's on four acres and, or 10 acre, whatever it was. And I was like, it's just really cool. And his intentions were set so pure that like, he's going to make it happen. Right. And so, I don't know, but he he was talking about getting up excited and I was thinking about all of you guys and I was thinking about how blessed we are in dentistry and just, you know, Dwight's foot is on the gas and you know, Dwight, I bet you have to, I bet right now you have to control yourself to not get out of bed in the morning. Like I don't get up yet. Don't get up yet. Because you want to probably get going, right? Yeah. 
And that is, you know, you look at people's longevity in life. Like we talk about in dentistry, you know, dentistry or just retirement period, people retire. And then typically about four years later, they die. Right. I mean, that's the stat. And it's because, you know, you lose a lot of that, like that vigor in your life and that desire to go do shit and the desire to go change shit and the desire to go build shit. And, uh, you know, and I just think that's, it's a really cool thing for dentistry because we have control to be able to do that. Meaning we're not working UPS and, and sitting behind a desk and like the harder you work, you get no guarantee. Like my dad was an airline pilot. He said to me, he said, look, if I fly the plane, great, here's my job. If I fly the plane, extraordinary. I'm in the exact same position as I am if I flew the plane great, right? There was no upside reward sure. for, 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 for greatness. And as entrepreneurs, as dental owners, as dentists, there is a reward for it. And that's a beautiful thing. I know I there's just kind another of dimension though. There's, there's a, another dimension though, Pete, too. Uh, you're talking about the entrepreneurial dimension because that's where your mind goes. And I think a lot of our minds go, but there's a societal narrative that says work sucks. It's meaningless. You're supposed to make the money and then you exit work and retirement is when like fulfillment happens. And clearly, okay, as we all right. know from what you just from what you just said, that's not true. So and and you're talking about one dimension of excellent work, exceptional work, moderate work, and different results. There are a lot of people, and my dad was one of them. He was an exceptional dentist, but he'd never scaled beyond his two hands. Mm. So exceptional dentistry, one patient at a time. And you ask him, he'd have it no other way because you're taught you're you're kind of commingling and it's fine. It's just that I just want to point out the bias. You're commingling scale and entrepreneurial effort. And there's well, a lot of people who listen to our con Craig, what I guess what I, just, but I, I do the same I'm doing that so much. Like I don't it was your dad waking up with the same vigor as like I cannot yes, make yes, the rest of this yes, case yes, today yes. as I did. I mean, look, he's eighty two years old and in the office. Well, so, I mean, that should, that should speak to what it is. And all I'm saying is I'm not trying to make wrong or right. I'm just trying to widen the narrative to encompass the Peters of the world and the Dwight's and okay. the Trey's and Craig's Fair. and the, my dad's. There's other guys out there that, and the UPS driver, by the way, funny enough, when I was going through one of the worst times of my own business life and I freaking hated my business, my UPS driver was really, really always smiley and happy. Mm -hmm. happy Funny story behind it, by the were way. Were they about the IPO at the time? Isn't that when they were IPOing? No, he just he, he there was there were some entrepreneurial bumps to him. He liked he liked what he was doing. Come to find out, really funny. You probably want to edit this out of the podcast, but he had. You know, there's system. no edit button on our pod, right? Yeah, I know. I know. But he, he had this system. It's a true story, Peter. He had a system where he was actually if the woman if a if a woman leave the garage like half open he'd go in and do another type of delivery true story he's no longer on our route i didn't know that at the time i just see a ups driver always smiling always happy no wonder your garage door has been left open hey why was he so happy at your house yes yes has tracked craig did you see it so you were at work so no i'm i was in i was away like children could see but anyway the point I'm trying to make is that there, there's a job for everyone, but the idea that work is cruel and unusual, that we should be rewarded by the, the gains and not have to suffer. Everything's the victim now. You know, mm -hmm. you could misgender someone and they're like, this is an insult to my, my very core. Like work is good for you to toil, to suffer, to, to try to put in and try to do the best and correct and do better every day. Hope and progress is the fuel for fulfillment. And I think everybody's Provide got it wrong. Value. Don't leave it. Sorry. Provide value. 
Yes, mm-hmm. be a person of value. And I think there's an over-obsession with an intrinsic look at yourself. Like, how how can I be fulfilled? How can I be happy? And when you look inside for fulfillment or happiness, you're you're going to ruin the possibility of achieving it. So it's how do you become more valuable? Like you get what you want in life by helping other people get what they want. If you own a massive dental practice and it takes great care of the community, you're helping other people. If you're a doctor with three or four employees, but you're helping them and you're encouraging them, you're getting, you're helping other people. And I just think that work has a bad rap. And especially now people are looking at Instagram and here I'm in Spain and, oh, I could be like that guy or whatever. But Honestly, guys, I say this to you every time I'm on vacation, one week on a boat, drinking beer and hanging out, I'm starting to get like loss of purpose very quickly. Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling, so I'll speak to the person that's feeling burnt out because for some reason, the burnt out people always like to call me. And I think it's awesome. I mean, if I can create the space where people can share with me, but my, my advice to them is stop looking inside for fulfillment, you know, when you chase fulfillment, when you look inside for it, you won't find it. Go find it outward. Go go serve other people. Go help other people. Be of value. This is actually a good segue into the next topic I want to talk about, Craig. You just said it right there, which is burnt outness. And I'm and it's not before you before you hit exit on the podcast, this is not about being burnt out. But I have seen something happen over several masterminds and several summits and several things of just having dental friends that And I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. Burnout typically happens because you always think you're a, the best person for the job, right? Meaning like you have so much on your shoulders and you either are not good at delegating or you don't have someone who is an implementer in your business. The lights went on for me in my business. And we've seen it now in many cases that when someone gets really intentional about what they want to do, and they recruit implementers and getting someone dedicated to saying, hey, I need you to do this and run with it because it's my idea. It's my vision. Go for it, right? Getting help is the thing that I think is the antidote to burnoutness. Would you agree, Dwight? Absolutely. Because you're big on the implementer. Like, Dwight, you actually give them names. But, like, yeah. if you don't – remember, I, I remember I went to – pardon my last little little thing. I remember I went to a seminar. You used to always go to seminars, thing non-dental and stuff, and I, I don't know where this one was. Anyway, maybe in Atlanta. And the guy was on stage and he was very, very abrasive, very in your face. And he was basically like, look, if you don't have an assistant, like not dental assistant, if you don't have an assistant and you're running a business, you are your own assistant. You're the assistant. Yeah. Right. And I was like, wait, I don't have an assistant. At the time I was like, wait, I don't have an assistant. I get everything done. And then I was like, but am I really getting it done? Am I really moving the ball forward? Or am I just telling myself that and then playing the woe is me card? I'm so busy. I work 18 hour days. Look what I've had to do kind of thing. And I was like, is that, am I getting a sadistic pleasure from saying that? Or am I really wanting to move the business forward? And then my second thought was, well, shit, what are they going to do for $60,000 a year or whatever you hire someone to do, right? Are they going to get my dry cleaning? Are they going to take my dogs to the groomer? Like, I don't even know what to do because I was so bad at delegating that I couldn't even implement someone be the implementer. And the the hardest thing is to be honest with you, and this is full loop from Durdick all the way to kind of what we're talking about. We talked about this in office hours, hours, right? That's what I'm bringing up. What, what blows my mind is that, you know, we get the bite of saying, hey, I have purpose. I'm building a business. I'm pursuing it. And rightfully so. It's like, hey, I can get this done because it's small tasks. But we become our own bottleneck, no doubt. 
And a lot of people do not understand that bringing in a implementer or an integrator, the way those of you have read Rocket Fuel, the book right. or things like that, all those types of things, the concept is still, you have to have a vision, you have to have a perspective system of which you're implementing and bring that person to implement what you believe you want to do and exactly. the direction in which you're going. The problem is, is like we had in office hours, we had somebody who said, Hey, basically I hired an implementer, but the way they were talking about them was like a CEO was well, come in and do it. Well, right. What are they doing? What are they doing? That's where yeah. I really struggle. And in fact, I struggle seeing that so often in businesses that they end up either letting them go or another type of a business gets created that you did not intentionally want to have. And now it's affecting your purpose, the purpose of your business and the purpose that you stand for. So I think this is clearly the way to augment and kind of scale yourself and then scale your business. I guess my message, Dwight, sorry, is yeah. really just to, to your point is that you're obviously a big fan of, you have several people around you because you know, you can, you can rob Deirdrick your way. You see the vision, you're building this building, building this practice. I want a hygiene department. You know, you know, know very clearly what you want and therefore you're able to get implementation, but until you get clarity, no one else killed. And, and the other thing, the takeaway, Craig, Craig, you weren't, you weren't obviously on the pot, the office hours, and there's no shade on that. I'm just telling you, bringing you up to speed of what happened. Dwight, did you notice, because we were talking about kind of some of the transformations from, let's call, you know, we're wrapping up this mastermind. It's almost been a year. No. I was just kind of looking around and being like, in the beginning, there was like this freneticism when someone joins, like, holy shit, I don't know what to do. My life's upside down. And now there's like this weird swagger by all this no. dentist. Like, I got it. I'm no. comfortable. I'm buying this. I'm doing yeah, look it. Look at Ryan. Look yeah. at Ryan. Dude, it's would, unbelievable. But like it went from swag. I was Ryan kind of was. during office hours today where it was like, oh, well, look at you, Tim. The guy with the AD conflict culture index just making decisions and blowing a yeah, gun. And right. then um, next one comes out of like, you see what I'm saying? Like you're just hiring, you're blowing a gun. Like the difference. And even Eric sitting further back sitting back in his chair, lean back. As Comfortable. Opposed to like, what do I do next? What do I do next? Which is how he started. I mean, even at the summit, you know, and the difference is yeah. who do you surround yourself by? Who's around you and, um, and pushing you to implement. And the biggest difference between the, the rate at which we're actually getting things done in our business, for example, Rob Durdick, what did he do? 15 million to 350 million in five years. That's what mm -hmm. that podcast, that number 465 that P was talking about earlier, he took it that far. What did he do more than anything? Yes, it's delegation, but B, it was just saying, I know how many hours are in my day mm -hmm. and I, I'm obsessive about making sure that I'm valuing those hours and I'm segregating them out and I'm delegating and I'm putting the right people in the right place to go along. And during office hours, we were talking about some individuals have a real hard time because they want to implement, but they're accommodating too many people. I can't fire this person, even though they're clearly not the best person for the job, but you know what? They've been here for five years, 10 years. They were my dad's assistant or whatever it was. Right. And that is what holds our businesses back. People like Dirk, man, Rob didn't give a flying flip. He's like, I'm going from point A to point B. This is how much time I have to give you. I'm giving yeah. you this much. If you can't implement that, and then we're moving on, we're going, blowing and going. And that's the impact. He then gets the chance to not be fulfilled only with purpose at work, but he finds Wait, How do you, what is your system for doing that really quickly? Like, meaning, do you, let me, let me frame it up. Do you use software a lot? Do you have regular meetings? Do you sit some time and like manifest things before you do? Like, you know, what do you do? And all the things, right? right? Like, how do you, how do you drive them all? What do you mean? 
to do for me we have implementation so right if someone's if someone's listening to this right i'm always going back yeah. to driving in the car listening being like what do you what, what do you mean implement right um and so it's different for everyone at different life cycles in their business right if they're growing their business right it's different versus kind of getting in that homeostasis and just like i want to just keep doing what i'm doing um but what is your trade did that help kind of like yeah 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 like you know regular meet right some people just need to have a regular meetings to check in with someone some like sometimes i I get actually emails every day to make sure some of my people are on track and we're working on things just wondering it's helpful to hear tips for people listening because then they can audit their process or if they don't know how to start it meaning like i had no idea what i was doing when i started implementate implementer Right, a personal assistant, executive assistant. So it would have been massively valuable for me to hear of guys who did have one and used them effectively and were able to two and three X their income because they worked on high value things. Yeah. I'm going to give a quick example and I'm going to show you how I am. I'm implementing it with somebody. One of the past masterminders, Bonner, called me yesterday and said, hey man, I mean, well, he's on masterminder now too, but he, great guy, Austin, Texas dude, build an incredible practice. And basically said to me, which is what we talked about in the other office hours was, man, the, the second you hire an associate, you realize how much of your business is actually broken and how much infrastructure you don't have because he was running everything. This is why a lot of people listening are going to be saying the same thing. I run my business. My clinical business is wrapped around how I care for patients. Well, he started walking out and he hired other doctors to come in. The most incredible thing he realizes like, well, nothing works when I'm not here. And I'm like, well, then that's because you don't have a business. You've got to create. You are the system. <laughs> you are the system. So now he's trying to create that. So he said, well, how do I build that kind of process? How do I do it? Well, for me, it's yes, hiring people is one thing, but building accountability and what I call a cadence, meaning I went from having a meeting. This sounds familiar to most people all the time. Something's happened. Mm, putting out meeting gyrus. Yeah. Meeting gyrus. Everybody's having a meet. Oh, we need a meeting for that. Okay. Let's block out an extra time for lunch. Let's to, I have one hour meeting for all, you know, that runs our 70 person operation that does what we need to do. And I, one week, every week, it's an hour on Monday morning and we run a cadence. And what that means is that we all meet and I have a middle management leadership team and they all sit from every office on one call and we document the items in which we're tackling this week, not for the vision of five years out, not for 10 years out, not all year long, but what are we getting done this week? to move the needle this week so that next week we move the needle and the next week, because most of us tell people what to do on Monday morning. And then the next Monday morning we walk in the office and we tell them the same thing because it didn't get done all year long. I used, I actually used Dwight's template and I can say it's worked really well, right? Like the completion of what you've been working on this week, what's on your agenda. Sorry guys, what's on your agenda and then what's upcoming in the following week. And you can bang it out in an hour and it, and it serves everyone on the page. So I actually forgotten Dwight. And you were talking about that. I was like, dude, I forgot. Like, we actually got that. I got that format from Dwight. And we love it because you post it and everybody's meeting right there. And at the top, it automatically calculates the percentage of completion of your task mm -hmm. for this week, right? For me, the most important thing there is it's called lateral pressure. Everybody's like, well, freak, you got it all there done. And I'm still at 20%. I got to get my, it's a lot of lateral pressure on me because I might have a few items. But you know what? When they see that my items get to 10 or crazy 15 or something like that, there's people pulling stuff off of my list because they know if I get cluttered, the whole business slows down too. So okay. I'm real big on being on there and be like, I got too many things. We're delegating them out. We're pushing them out. What can we 
What can we spread out and kind of tackle as a team? And the accountability is a big deal. We meet in person and on Zoom so everybody can say, hey, what happened? Why are we moving 80% of your items from this week to next week? What happened? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I think one thing next week we're not moving. What do you do? What do you do? I do that exact same thing. You do. We have a Monday morning meeting. I have it. It's it's basically the leadership team that meets. We're functioning on a weekly chunk of time. We have the to do list. We track what percentage what people do. We have items that we discuss. The one thing that I think is worth mentioning, Dwight, that kind of to frame what Dwight's saying is that although you were operating all on one week chunks, those one weeks are designed by a planning meeting prior that has, here's our year goal, or here's our quarterly uh-huh. goals, or here are monthly goals. Everything is on a big picture broken down to this little individual unit. So it's not some random week to week. Like a reverse engineer. You're not, you're not wandering through the, the proverbial wilderness week to week. You're headed toward a very specific goal that was designed also with the cadence, yes. with the team, where everyone knows that every week that we're doing something, it's in it's in uh, in the pursuit of something bigger that was predetermined. Right. So, and what he's is, bringing up very visual. And what he's bringing up is it has to be visual. So we both do the same. It's a annual cadence broken down to quarterlies, objectives as we call them, broken down to the you know monthly goals. And then we let those break down into the month. So then my goal as a CEO is just to step back and say, are we on track this month, this quarter to hit that goal? Whoa, we're behind. We need to update these. We need to track all those bonuses, the structures, the incentive programs, because I can make small tweaks to make sure we get back on track to be able to hit that, that goal. And so the most important time of my year is building that annual plan. Mm -hmm. I'm putting a lot of effort in there to make sure that we're getting a a filled protocol for where we're going and how that happens. But then it scales all the way back. And then you just make sure that they're following up with it and they're staying with it. I think. Wait, let me pause you. Let me pause you there. Craig, I want to hear, I want to hear your your system. So I think that one of the things that we have here is that we have really excellent leaders who have a very good idea of where they're going. So the system that they've, that you guys have put in place is, is working for you. When I talk, and again, I have a bias here. When I talk to the dentists out there, they have absolutely no idea where they're going. No idea. Like it's uh-huh. scary. They don't know. Oh, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. Their, their teams are confused. So the cadence meetings are great after you've done concise, you know, understanding where you're going. My leadership meetings exist without me i'm not a part of my leadership meetings for the last year i only eric is my only direct report per se i'm here to help everybody i'm an open door policy i want people to help how can i support you is the most common thing i say but it's getting less and less and less it's usually just for personal advice on their own what they're trying to what they're trying to do but the individual teams come up with what they want to achieve for the year they're the ones, you know, of course I'm adding pressure and ideas to that as well, but uh, it's really a leader, the leadership meetings I'm absent unless I'm needed for one of the leads. To I mean, would you guys agree that's the evolution of where we, where you would kind of go? I'm looking at Craig saying that I'm saying like, maybe, maybe he, we're in version 2.0 and he's in version 3.0, right? Like maybe well, that's also look at, look at, of, yeah, a, of an look autonomous at, team is where I'm going. Right. Well, also not. I look around you, the three of you, you're all in process of building other offices. So if you would stop your, and I'm not saying you should, but if you were not acquiring another office, adding another 20 team members in the next year, 
that would maybe you would get to that. So it's always this balance of like boredom stability. Then you take on a big chunk and then you grow and there's things unravel. But right now at the moment, that's where it needs to be. And when I'm there, I suck up a lot of oxygen. You guys know it. I can't keep my mouth shut and I can actually get in the way of people's right. development. And it's cool for me right now. And I would say that I think he brings up a good point. Like for example, my 10,000 square foot, the Missouri city location, central hub, that team manages their own exactly. daily operations to hit their goals. Same thing. What are you going to do? If you go into that leadership meeting, they go like, Dwight, why are you here? What are they're, you doing? They're like, they're like, you're not close enough to the trenches to actually make, you know, we do decentralization, decentralization decision-making same way that, that Craig's doing. It's because it's the multi-location factor where we have to sometimes have to step back and be like, are we all at least achieving the same directive? And are we building, 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 which is the mode that he's- I got a question for you guys then. I got a question for you guys. Would you agree then that a good objective for people listening would be to strive to continually extricate yourself from unnecessary presence, right? Meaning not because you, not because you shouldn't or can't be there, but because it creates, right? Like if you extricate, if you become unnecessary, then potentially you are more bulletproof. Correct. Absolutely. Well, your okay. business so, is more bulletproof. Your bulletproof business is more bulletproof. And I'm not saying that means clinically. I'm not saying tap out. I'm not saying people should work less. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying as a, as a guiding light, if you are necessary for the machine to work, then you are the machine, right? And so if you're continually looking to extricate, I'm in this meeting now, I won't be hitting two, two weeks. And then I'm going to go work on higher, higher hourly things per Naval, or I'm going to work on this, or I'm going to go build a building, whatever it is. But yeah. if you're continually extricating yourself, or maybe that's not, I'm just hypothetically, I'm just throwing yeah, out. I'm going to add something to Please. Add something, what you're saying. So again, the dimension that you're coming from, and I'm not, I'm not picking any Peter at all. So don't, don't hear this this way. You're coming from like, I'm going to pull myself out so I can work on something better, higher, whatever the word you were using. And I'm not, it's not important. There's another thing about pulling yourself away is it allows your team to grow into the position okay. that they can be. So sure. it's like that five levels of leadership by Maxwell. There's mm -hmm. Lao Tzu great has point. a great leadership quote. Great. Lao Tzu's idea is that a leader should be, presence should be barely felt. And everyone in the team underneath that leadership should be arriving at conclusions that they think are their idea. So if we all subscribe to this Maxwellian idea of the five levels of leadership, pinnacle being the highest, you shouldn't be doing anything okay. but like just supporting people. So yes, you can think of it as like, I can be on a, you know, go over here and work on higher dollar per hour, whatever. But also what about the people that you're now creating space for that can grow like, a, you know, Lacey so or the good. Erica's or the, so or the Morgan's. We, have, we all these people, we looked at pulling away of like, shit, I can't handle all this stuff. I got to back off. But look at the unintended consequence of these these powerful people that had got a chance to step up, earn more, feel better, more fulfilled. So it's a two-way street. Like pulling away is not selfish for you. It's actually generous for them. Well, it's you an get... evolution. I think y'all are y'all are y'all are basically saying in a different in a different way the exact same thing. And it's the so, idea of training your replacement. You look sure. to train someone to do things that you do so you can work on the high value tasks. And whether that's intentional or not, or or by design or not, you start to learn that time is limited. And in order to just use time to your benefit or just keep up, sometimes out of necessity, you just do it on accident mm -hmm. and yeah. you leave a hole from where you came. And that hole 
leaves the people that have the best, you know, the people with the best talent take the best opportunities and they see that hole and they fill it from that standpoint. And they are essentially on the exact same journey you're on because they're doing the same thing behind them. And it is, it is dragging everybody. I mean, this is a big yeah, locomotive. One, yeah, forward, yeah. Right. And it opens the, the door for the them. Only thing, and it doesn't the only thing necessarily because I the think it's going to you set the vision, then you guide the process. And and a good example of that, Pete, to, to what you mentioned to Dwight earlier, to, to allude to that, is it's not that you want to be extricated from the business, but our leadership meeting, if I'm not there, it, it moves on. Uh-huh. It, it happens. It keeps going. The whole thing takes place. If a Morgan's not there, we reschedule it. And you, <laughs> yeah, there are there people that, that run these things that, yeah. that do this. And it's a... Yeah, because yeah. You, your 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 role is different. But you did you set that intention, right? Like let's let's wrap it all the way fully back up to the deer day thing because we all agree with that. Did you set that in as your intention, Craig, Trey, Dwight, or did it happen by chance? By chance for me. Okay. And and I just I just want to, you know, <laughs> listen. Well, that was not what I was expecting. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, listen. I wrote I wrote a very clear vision in 2008 <laughs> for people. And in my vision, it talks about the most important thing for me, which was the people and how they had accomplished so much and how they were running autonomously. So yes, of course, I said that. But the process in which I got there was a shit show. It was yeah. a breakdown. You know? so, so my intention was always to do that. When you guys have all read my own personal descriptive vision of like how I reflect on the people's self-esteem and all that stuff. And all I wanted to say is that we're talking about something. There's a two part to this. There's the team and there's you moving up to do higher value things. There are higher doing nothing is fine too. Like you could be the type of leader that just, it's not because you have higher value things. You could actually just do it because you want your team to grow. And I think that's how I arrived at it. I was a, I was at a space where I'm like, the smartest guy i need to be a part of this and right. it was really i'm the only one who cares and that was really screwing things up so my intentionality that. was always to free myself of smaller decisions so that i could make better big decisions I'm, I'm, yeah and that's all that mattered to me and at the end of the day even today i'm talking about this big cadence because we're off whatever we had it this morning instead and i was actually at the building and i wasn't here and angela was with me but we have another Angela, who's Sydney, our business office manager, and she stayed and she would have normally come to the building with us. She ran the cadence this morning for the whole team. So yes, it has the ability to do that. But I can tell you that my job at this point in time is, are we building another location? Are we building a building? Are we shutting down for COVID? Are we, these are the big decisions that I need to be involved in. The reason being in a meeting with a few of us that we were chatting about, got this group and another group just sitting around and they were asking about delegation, things like that. I'm like, pull up your email. I can tell you if you have a business or if you are your business, of because course. people had email on there. It was like, we want to order a dimmer for the treatment coordinator's office. It's just like, I, li- I listened to friends phone calls and I could tell by the way they're talking like, hold on, John, I'll call Dan. Hey, Dan, John wants to talk. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You're all in between everybody. Yeah. But- one, I, I have to actually bolt, but I wanted to say one last well, thing. It's good. You know why, Craig? Because in a second, we're about to talk about the AI corner. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> so perfect timing. So so I <laughs> want to say this because I think I feel very strongly. We all have children that we love very much. Many of us have taught our children how to ride a bike. 
And riding a bike is, a, is an insane exercise because you take a child who's never ridden a bike before and you push them down a hill and you let go of the bike. And right. it's not a question of if they're going to fall, it's just how hard they're going to fall. They're going to break something, but we all go through it. You don't know what type of business you have until you do the bike exercise. You have to run behind yeah. it, hold the seat, and you have to let go. And if it crashes and it doesn't break completely, great. Do it again and again and again until it can run on its own. But you need to take that leap of leap of, of faith and you need to see what your team's capable of. But if you're really smart and you have all the answers and you like to talk like me, you're gonna you're gonna wind up, you know, really cutting your team team off at the knees. And you have to step back. I you have to look at that. You really do. And at a certain point, our goals are all to be supportive leaders and have the decisions made by our teams. All right. Log off. Thanks all for right, joining guys. us. Thanks for my Good, Good to see, to see you, your face, buddy. Enjoy. Bye, guys. Take care. Thank you. Later, buddy. AI corner. The AI corner. <laughs> so it was so funny. Actually, as I was thinking about this, we're still recording, just FYI. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was thinking about i was like you know craig i know where he is and i guess he's not gonna be joining us but that's okay because like i'm gonna be talking about some ai shit and every time i try to talk about some ai shit craig gets in there and says well you know this is terribly boring every time and it's so funny i got i get hit up all the time when he does that by like people that you know tech dentist friends of mine They're like dude bring up more of that shit and i'm like well okay maybe i should maybe i should just do a podcast on that all right so this ai corner is is something I, I don't know why I called it this AI corner. This is the only time I've ever called it an AI corner. But anyway, the first AI corner is talking about the most important change in our economy and our world yeah. right now. And if we don't have a portion of our podcast designated to AI, I think we're getting behind. But I want to talk about where the rubber meets the road, right? Like where are we actually going to start using it or using it? Okay. So I'm going to tell you guys some real life shit of what I'm doing. Okay. Because I think that's that's actually mm -hmm. what Patrick, Patrick in, uh, in, te in Texas, I don't want to use people's last names because I don't want to do it, but Patrick, your buddy, he's yep. like, hey, dude, talk more about this. Here's what I'm doing with my AI. All right. So I was looking at doing a joint venture recently, right, with, with in, in dentistry, and a joint venture is, has large contracts, okay? And, and I, was, I was under the impression, I was kind of half in, half out on this, and I was, wanted to analyze the contract. What I did not want to do, though, is send this to my attorney, who would have charged me $3,000 to interpret the verbiage just so I could get the understanding of the legality of it. Right. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't even know if I want to do this venture, but I sure as shit don't want to get on the phone and talk about it at $600 an hour. Nope. That much I know. Right. So what, what did I do? I cut, I took the whole 87 page document and I, and I bite-sized it up. I put it in an editable Google doc and I would grab sections and I would paste it into, I said, I said, Hey, chat GPT, you are now my legal advisor. And I was like, I can't do that. And I was like, just do it. And he's like, okay. And I was like, I need you to summarize this section of what the hell it means in normal language. What's the right. consequences? What am I, what, I, what do I need to look out for? Boom. And, and then give me a feedback. And it was like, what this is saying here is that, you know, if you ever open another dental practice near them, they're going to sue your pants off kind of thing. Right? right. And I was like, Ugh. Yeah. And so point of it. And then I would basically cut that in. In this document and in red writing, I'd put, you know, I'd put layman's language underneath it. So I could go back later as the compilation of this document and actually read it as a non-lawyer, but fully understand. Now, this is not going to take the place of an attorney, but it sure is going to make me a lot. I sure don't have to be educated by the attorney. Well, what does this mean? I can now get into constructive things. If I do move forward is like, Hey, I need to address section 2.2. It says this. And actually I gave, I actually had it 
correct, give me some red line edits to some of the sections of saying, hey, here's the things I want to include, blah, 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 blah. And it did it beautifully. Okay. So that's one way. Love that looking at it. And I think it saved me. Ultimately, I didn't, it was moot. Like I thought it would be moot and and I'm, I'm tabling this, this joint venture contract and all that thing. And it cost me about, you know, maybe 45 minutes of time to analyze it. And for free Beautiful. versus it could have been a couple thousand dollars ahead. I just forwarded it over to oh, my attorney. Like, what do you sure. think? What do for you think? Sure. And and you learned how you're going to use chat GPT in the future. And I, 100%. Right? Yeah. Just so that you know, I have somebody on my team who's in law school as well right now, and yeah. uh, they use chat GPT to understand a lot of legal stuff. So no way. yeah, I mean, they've got to figure it out too. They're in law school. They're figuring it's it out. It's so awesome to be in school with chat GPT. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, it got banned in my daughter's school. It got banned in it, of course, like most. And I was like, you know, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But I found a, I found a workaround for her. So yeah. Right. Atta boy. The second thing I'm actually doing right now is using plugins in Gmail and, and going to start uh, and basically cutting and pasting in people's emails and then kind of roughly in shorthand saying, this is kind of how I would want to respond, formulate a response. Right. <clears throat> this is to none of y'all or anything like that, but let's just say like business things that you just don't have time for, right? You want to, you want to, you don't want to be too pithy because then you look rude. You don't want to be, you don't want to be non-comprehensive in your response. So immediately, and I don't need to do back to our conversation about, you know, not needing to be highly integrated now. Like I'm not highly integrated in my business in terms of emailing people for it, but I was thinking, how do I then, would this be something good for responding to patients? And let me pause there for a second. Some people in dentistry might not have had the luxury of being a master of the English language. Let's just say, yeah, okay? maybe their approach is not tactful in the response to patients. Maybe they don't, maybe they lack empathy. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Right. Maybe so, they run the risk of saying inappropriate, inappropriate things, HIPAA violation. I don't, you know, maybe it's not a violation and you're communicating directly, not but compliant. you get what I'm saying, Dwight. Yeah. And so I was like, maybe this becomes maybe not the system, but an augment to the people who are outwardly responding to people just to make sure we're staying on the up and up. <clears throat> it, and I am a big advocate of always trying to, you know, make it easier, faster, or better. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you can do all three of those things, like it's for right. me. Right. And so I think it checks a couple of those boxes. It's easier, it's faster, and it potentially could be better. I just don't know yet. So what do you guys think about that? I love that idea. Okay. All yeah, right. I, I, Anytime you can augment, you know, replacement. No, no, no. Yeah. Obviously not replacement. At this point, AI is different, but replacement has always fallen short for me. But the augmentation and then speeding up of the people yep. doing those things has been huge because again, you have someone to guide that process along and they're, you just 10X the production. What's an average email you think take to construct and reply to just out of curiosity, like just on average in your organization, would you guess? By whom? Seven to 10? Yeah, exactly. By whom? By whom? Some are speedy and great, but they may not be good at writing, let's just say, right? I don't know. But I'm saying it's probably a seven to, by the time you look at it, digest it, read the email, then reply, Respond. go back and edit. It's probably a seven to 10, yeah. maybe 15 minute endeavor. I'll be honest with you. I think this is why I said a while back, we're going to be able, people ask me about AI and I usually tell them, 
I'm going to be able to double the size of my company with only a 20 to 30% increase in my workforce. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen. And I think that we double down. The truth is I've seen some stuff for auto replies for emails and for text messaging. Remember a lot of our world right now is stuck on dopamine hits. And if I had every time somebody would just, Hey, how you doing? And it auto replied, Hey, I'm doing great. I hope you're doing well too. Boom. And I don't have to respond to those text messages, those emails. <laughs> I put a lot of time back in my life so because funny. they all need dopamine and fine. I'll give it to you in an artificial form. I'm done with that. And I think patients are in some ways the same way. Oh, I'm sorry. You weren't able to get through our phone calls. I'm glad you emailed us. Let me make sure we're going to call you back in the next poll, whatever. A lot of this can be automated. Most of our, if you shadow a lot of the people on our team and particularly at our front desk, you realize a lot of their jobs you could oh. automate and give them peace of mind to be able to focus on the person standing right in front of them instead of all the other minutia. That's almost an interesting thing. Like, you remember the thing, I forget the process that Toyota has it and it's the way they kind of fabricate vehicles. And it's like the, oh, gosh, I can't remember the acronym. I used to read books on this, but it was like the MILF. I don't know. Anyway, but basically someone would come in and aud come into your organization, like a Toyota auditor and look at the way you kind of fabricated things or was in your factory and like would streamline from an efficiency standpoint. I need to look this up again now. What it was. Six Sigma. Six Sigma. Thank you. Golly. Golly. Got brain fart right, right there and live on air. <laughs> but I was thinking like, what about an automations expert that could call, you could kind of bring in and like bring into your dental practice and be like, Hey, go watch this person. Go watch this person who answers the phone all day. Go watch this person who insurance verifications. Go watch this dentist or whatever it is. Without the rose, without the without the colored glasses that yeah. have skewed your view of dentistry, you've been in dentistry forever. Therefore, you can only see dentistry stuff. Come in as a new person and be like, "Hey, what's Blue Ocean like? What's Blue Ocean like? Where do you see an easy lift?" And there's going to be those people. I just don't know what they're called yet. But um, anyway, that's I was just thinking huge. that like, that's go go huge. follow that person. Like, tell me where the Six Sigma lies in that. What they're doing, Dwight. And I think that's the hack to you going, you know, growing your company, like you were saying. Yeah. And I love the fact that you point out the fact that sometimes we're just too close to it because we'll go in. And the reason we do that is because 5% yeah, yeah, yeah. of the time there's a patient out there who wants blah, 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 like, how is that? I mean, I get it for customization and the Ritz Carlton feel and, blah, but at the end of the day, I mean, not, not only is that not necessary or practical for scaling, that's not what generational need is day to day. And what, uh, what are you doing? I mean, I gave a couple examples. Like, so I think it's nice that, we talked about it so much in theory, guys. Remember when it was coming up and we were we were kind of the first talking about it in dentistry. I know Pearl was doing it from a diagnostic standpoint. We were talking about chat GPT and going through all that. What are you guys beyond Pearl and the diagnostics? I don't want to go there, Dwight. For sure. But like, what are you guys potentially hypothesizing about doing or or are doing now? So for us, one of the things that we were looking at that I like, and this goes back to our delegation factor, is that there's, there's a workflow that works with also Gmail where you can also consider the option where it actually ends up, oh no, I'm sorry, this is Outlook, ends up grabbing the email that you're receiving mm -hmm. and auto reading portions of it and requesting out to see if this email can be responded or tackled by somebody else on your team that you allocate for certain things. And so there's, which to me, again, if you can diminish the amount of garbage that comes to me is far more effective. That's crazy can read, you know, the transcription of your voicemail on your phone and can send it out and be like, this sounds like a Fort Bend dental related admin item. It goes to that person. If it goes, if we can start going down that direction, honestly, mm -hmm. 
I will be able to grow and scale my business and put so much more thought into making sure that the core qualities of our business are maintained. But right now I got so much minutia. It's like, how do you tackle it? You know, how do you get it done? Yeah. My biggest thing is exactly the direction you're going. How can we get it to where it auto delegates as well as yes, could some of it could auto reply, but some of it's auto delegation as well. There are tasks I need to, I need the tax return for whatever. Don't ask me for a tax return. Like I'm the last person. All I'm going to do is punch you to somebody else. Or like Craig said, this person, they're answering the phone. Oh, let me call this person. It's like, why are you the go between? That's one area that I'm really enjoying the direction of going. Uh, and then the other side is, is we were looking at a, a new automation system for ordering and inventory management and things to that degree, which I think that that's just, first of all, it's going to drop our costs significantly because it's going to be like, Oh, boom, you hit this order cycle. I'm going to be able to order it at this pricing stack. And I think that's where a lot of these big name groups and, you know, or I think what it's going to do, Dwight, it's going to look at your, it's going to log into your patient management software. It's going to see that you did 64 appraisal composites this month yeah. and be like, Hey, you probably need some more a two or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and like, yeah. it's going to, it's going to artificially kind of order it. So it may not help you from a money standpoint, but it may help you from a Well, twofold. Yeah. Think if it goes and then actually orders that a two. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It, that's yeah. what it looks at like that. Yes, your notes and all that are going to be amazing. You have to be able to select that on, you know, the actual notes and all those little details. So if you've pre-built those templates, those templates are going to be the method by which you do ordering down the road. But more importantly, it doesn't just read what you've done. It reads what's on the schedule and proposed. It reads what's being proposed by some of this AI x-ray reading and says, what are patients coming in for? So it's kind of prepping because there are times when, Hey, it's summertime. You know that you haven't been doing as many wisdom teeth extractions, but you're about to have a ton more. That's you you guys want to know, I was going to say this for a future announcement, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Yeah. See, so the at the summit, AI corner. at the summit, we are launching for the next masterminder class, bulletproof GPT. So bear with me for a second. Here we go. Right. It has, we have uploaded and digested in a, in a, in a large language model, all of the code from 300 podcasts. Okay. So now it's, now you get to interact with, you can ask a question, Hey, what's the best system for doing this? Just, you can interact with the advice of Dwight and Trey, Greg and Peter. And then not only will it give you the answer to help chat GPT your way to dental operations from the, from the 300 episodes in the past, because we've talked about it probably at some point all over and over again, right? It'll show you the timestamp and the clip and the section. You can go watch that now on the YouTube video. That's so <laughs> that's going to be available for people. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's cool. I'm going to grow, grow, grow a mullet and goodbye jet ski and. I'm done, guys. <laughs> I'm done. Sounds like a John Rocker thing to me. Hey, my favorite. Uh, is like, I think that's what you're going to start. Yeah, yeah. Was that an Eastbound and Down reference? You were saying the mullet and jet ski. Yeah. No, okay. I, my favorite is that the next office hours is not going to be Pete, Craig, or Dwight, or it'll be Bulletproof's Chat GPT. We'll go back to the old school <laughs> DOS C prompt. It's just going to be that. You just type. No, but that would be, it's a cool interaction yeah, thing to be like, Hey, I know I heard that, or I have some questions. Like it, I would actually probably interact with it. You know, I'm probably creating it selfishly for myself as well. And yet, as well as the next masterminder class, but I kind of want to know like, Hey, what did we say there? Or what was the, what was the, the takeaway from this, you know, Agreed. <clears throat> and then index it. So anyway, it's, it's, uh, that's cool. Knowledge that you're referring 
fingertips. Well, look, I mean, you know, the education is always out there. It's the aggregation that you got to figure out how to get yeah. and have the time to sit there and listen to every Joe Rogan or you just kind of want to answer. It's like, hey, yeah. show me the hygiene. You know, what's the hygiene compensation model? Right. And as the volume gets so big, you can't filter it anyway. You're looking for a needle in a haystack. Too much information then leads to the idea that you can't find anything. That's going to be awesome as you. Yeah, I think it'd be neat. It'd be neat. Uh, so it's a cool, it's a cool project that I've been, uh, been working on. And, you know, like some of these projects, as you guys know, like only half of my airbrained ideas are successful, but like, but sometimes they're, sometimes they're cool. Every, where I'm going with this is every, even in all of my failures, I learn a tremendous amount, right? I get educated. I've had a tremendous amount of cryptocurrency failures. I've also had a tremendous amount of successes, right? So in all these things, just going back to what we're saying, like, set out with intention, go for it, damn, you know, burn the boats and see what happens kind of thing. I love that. Your purpose yeah, is agreed. not just fulfillment from the things that were successful, but understanding the collections of the failures that made success in your future. I mean, that that's it, man. You just got to mm -hmm. keep hitting the ground right, running. Yeah. Rinse, wash, repeat. Yeah. Yeah. And like, see, look, and success leaves your clues. Sometimes you're like, all right, well, that didn't work, but that kind of did. And then you like start running down that path. And that's the, that was the whole excitement thing I was telling you, you know, about is this, I think it's neat when you can get a, get to a point in your life. And that's my wish for everyone. Not just my kids. You get to a place where you could, where you literally are just excited to start your day, whatever that looks yeah. like. I think that's a fulfillment. I think that's where, for me, that's fulfillment. That's fulfillment for me. I agree. So, I agree. um, Anyway, dudes, if you got anything else in glowing, we're now at a we are now at an eighty minute podcast, an hour yeah. and twenty minutes, and uh, good time to wrap. And I thank you for being uh, being awesome. on. Good to see you. And I'll uh, yeah, over and out, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Hey, see you again.